All right, well, today we're going to be in uh, John chapter 18. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if it's like my personality temperament, which Josh is like the master of. He knows all these personality things. Or what it is. But I was going to, to study for this Sunday. And I was just like, Lord, every church in America is going to be giving the resurrection uh, teaching uh, this week. And we should, right? We should obviously absolutely celebrate and teach on the resurrection. And I want to do that, Lord, but like, can you give me something fresh? Can you give me something new? Uh, because I just, I was like, I don't want to just do the same thing as last year and the year before and all this kind of stuff. And so it may be a little bit of a different uh, resurrection um, service for you in terms of the, the teaching. Um, but it's clearly connected to the death and the resurrection. Um, but I've always been troubled with one scene during the trial. Uh, and that scene of the trial of Jesus is Pilate comes out and says, what is truth? It's always been like plagued with this concept. So a lot of today is going to be around the notion of what is truth. So um, let's begin here. Who here likes truth? Whoa, 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 whoa. Before you raise a hand, think about it. I love my sister-in-law, Lori. She didn't raise her hand real quick. And that's because she's really smart. I don't know if we actually like truth. Not all the time, right? There you go. Yeah, we, we, like, we like some truth. Um, earlier this week, I, uh, last week, I put my car in the shop, the mechanic shop, and they're telling me like, it's going to cost me 200 bucks. I'm like, oh, sweet. Uh, and then like, oh, we put it up on the rack and uh, it's actually going to be 1000 can we hear a little bit about the background of your car? So I'm telling them about the background of the car, and then they call back a couple hours and say, you know what, no, it's actually going to be two grand. I'm like, okay. So then I took it to my buddy Joe Kelly's shop, who I could trust, and he's like, yeah, it's like 200 bucks. And I was like, ah, the truth, right? The truth was so beautiful to hear from a friend. Uh, but you know, I, the thing that I can't stand is like when someone purposely tries to deceive you and put something over on you. Like, it drives me nuts, you know? Because you feel like you're, you're obviously being taken advantage of. Which, in this world, a lot of people do. Has anyone ever experienced something like that? Only three of you. Okay. Man, I gotta live, I gotta live out in Lancaster where people are honest. So here's the thing. Who likes truth? Well, some of us like truth. Uh, but here's the reality. It really, for many of us, it depends on what kind of truth. Now, truth can hurt. Truth can actually hurt if it conflicts with our perception of things. Right? Every husband knows that when their wife says, how do I look in this? Or something. We're caught in that, right? Or if a husband goes to his wife and says, hey, do you really like you know, how I built this? Or did I painted this? And, Maybe the honesty would actually be, nah, actually, you know, that pink coloring is not what, oh, do it all over again, right? So truth can hurt if it goes up against our perception of what we think. Secondly, truth is good if it justifies our thoughts and beliefs on a subject. Don't you love that? Yes. Was the sermon good today? Oh, yes, Pastor Dave, it was good. Justifies it makes you feel really good. So there's different types of truth. Truth can hurt if it goes up against the way that you're perceiving things. Two, 
truth can feel really good if it justifies your opinion and your belief. But there's a third portion of truth, and that third portion is this. Uh, truth is powerful if it transforms you from a lie into truth. See, those truths which are hurtful because you don't agree with them, if it is in fact truth, it actually can be powerful. Because it can change you from a lie and bring you into real truth. And so that is very powerful, but that takes a humble person to be able to stand before that and say, all right, I don't like the truth that is being spoken unto me, but it's true if I look at it and study and show myself. And, um, well... It's powerful if it's going to transform you and change you. So here's the thing. Here's the reality, right? There's no quicker way to make enemies and friends than by extolling the truth, right? Some people love it. They're like, oh, man, finally someone who gives me truth. But other people are like, oh, how could you say such a thing? Now, obviously, we give truth and love, but... This is all dealing with what is truth. And so let's just kind of get into a little bit. I'm not trying to be uh, legalistic, but I, I, you know, it's a, an important thing as a pastor. But really, the scripture says any teacher, that they're going to be held to a, another standard, right? So like when I and all of us that teach, when we go up to the pearly white gates, it says that there's going to be another level of, 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 of judgment, if you will. On what we've been teaching. So it's like, woof, it's not an easy job. You know, your boss is pretty tough. Uh, so just a couple things to get us started with, uh, with, with truth. So happy Easter, right? So just a couple things. It's not the main part of the message, so don't get all doom and gloomy, but I just want to raise it a little bit. Uh, Easter, English is the only language uh, that says happy Easter. Actually, in all other languages, is Pascha, um, which is a reference to Passover. Uh, Easter, since we are English and also the Germans, uh, we have a close connection to the Roman Empire. Uh, Esther, or Easter, actually comes from uh, the, uh, the word Ishtar. Ishtar was a uh, pagan fertility goddess. Uh, that's where we get bunnies and rabbits from. Um, it was a week of the Romans engaging in sexual profanity and sexual engagements and things that I probably shouldn't talk about. And so that's where you get a bunny and eggs because bunnies have a lot of bunnies. And eggs is a sign of egg fertility. And so what happens here is this. Uh, the celebration of the death and resurrection has unfortunately been in some circles overtaken by this. I'm not saying if you do Easter egg hunts. I'm not saying if you have a bunny that you're doing anything wrong. But as a culture, how easy it has become to go from the death and resurrection of the Son of God who provided atonement for you to a holiday where we die eggs. Now, if you die eggs, there's no problem with that if we're lifting up the resurrection of Jesus. So what is truth? The truth of the matter is even the name itself comes from a pagan background. But the truth of the reality is this, that the resurrection of Jesus is a revolution of truth to the whole world. Amen? That is the truth of it all. The truth of it all is that truth came to earth incarnate and brought himself to the world. There is a truth that truth incarnate came to the earth and that he was willing to lay down his life to confront and defeat the lie. And what's the lie? 
The lie has been said since the Garden of Eden. Uh, the lie is, um, you are not worthy of God's love. You're not good enough. Jesus came to respond to that lie and give us truth. That yes, we are worthy enough in His eyes of His love that He is willing to come down and shed His blood for us. Uh, what else is a lie? A lie that uh, you must be a slave to sin and death. Even if we get saved, it's like, yeah, but I'm still struggling with all these things. I get it. But it doesn't mean that you are to be a slave to it. That's not the answer of the cross. The cross is ready to transform you. And sometimes it takes a process, but he's going to transform you. He's in the business of transformation. Another lie is that Satan tries to say that there's a separation between God and man. But the Son of God coming to earth rids us of that separation. Amen? And so that's the truth of the matter, and that is what should be celebrated today. So let's take a look at the essence of truth and really how people deal with truth in this story. And this is where we're going to be in John chapter 18. Verse 27. We're going to read down to uh, 33. And actually, uh, you guys can turn to the video, but don't hit play yet on the video. Just get it set up. I was kind of going for a dramatic transition. We'll see if it works. <laughs> and you can put the computer music on. So it's like, <laughs> oh, maybe not. Maybe not yet. <laughs> Keeps us humble. All right, so John chapter 18, verse 27. It says, Peter then denied again. And immediately a rooster crowed. Many of us are familiar with that, right? Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times. So Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium, and it was early morning. But they themselves did not go into the praetorium, lest they should be defiled. I want to read that again. But they themselves did not go into the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said unto them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him. So what we have here is Pilate, the Roman governor, essentially goes out, talks to the Jewish leaders. Uh, he then comes back into the praetorium, essentially a, a house that's in Jerusalem uh, where he is governing out of, and he brings Jesus in. And now they have a private conversation. Jew? 
So we have this interaction. Whoever is of me knows of the truth. Pilate responds to Jesus, right? Are you the king? If the kingdom, in the other gospel says, if, the, if, if my kingdom is of this earth right now, don't you know my father would just send legions of angels, right? It's not my time to have an earthly kingdom. Right now I'm sending a spiritual kingdom. And there's a conversation of truth. Pilate asks the question, what is truth? And what's really annoying here is he just walks away. So what we have here is this. Pilate is a representation of the philosopher's mind. What is truth is a statement of him saying, like, how are we supposed to know what truth is? What you teach is the truth, Jesus? How is anyone supposed to know what the truth is? It's totally relative. It's totally subjective. Everyone's truth is different, isn't it? Now, we can hear echoes of Pilate's question today in the modern world. All the time, people are saying, well, what is truth? You share the gospel with someone. You try to tell them about the power of the blood of Jesus. And a lot of people say that it's relative. It's subjective. Well, you know, truth is what I believe it to be. Whatever makes me happy, that's what truth is, isn't it? Has anyone had a conversation with family members or people at work where you say, you're trying to show them the truth of Jesus, and the response is, ah, you know, for me, Buddha is truth. For me, this is truth. For me, science is truth. For me, this is truth. Anyone? Yeah? Whatever makes me feel happy is true, and what I believe to be true is true. This is what Pilate is saying. That's a very kind of bizarre thing. Because if you have a conversation with someone, you say, well, what if someone thinks murder is okay? And that makes them happy. They're killing someone that they don't like. Is that truth? Is that okay? And of course they're going to say, no, of course not. Murder's not. Murder's not okay. Well, what if someone thinks that unto them what they believe to be true is murder? Shouldn't that be truth to them? Though? Oh, no, no, no. That can't be wrong. That's just wrong. Oh, I agree with you that it's wrong. But if it's murder is wrong, what about other things like adultery, lying, not walking in accordance to the word of God? Oh, that that is different. Well, you know who else says murder is wrong is is God. So, you know, if you're saying that one thing of God is okay, but other things are not because of just what you feel. Philosophically, there's a is a huge problem. It's very easy to dismantle (laughs) because everyone cannot do whatever they think makes them happy. Because if everyone just did what makes them happy, the world would be a muck and there'd be complete chaos. And so someone who says that truth is relative is what I think is, they're philosophically wrong. 
Because if you just take spirituality out of it, I mean, if, even if you just want to do it in simple philosophy, if everyone does what they think is right, there's going to be all conflict. And there's all conflict, and then no one's truth is really there. So when you talk to someone like this, and if you talk to a pilot about that, his response probably would be like, all right, so what I believe to be true is probably true because, you know, I'm so much better than everyone else. That's usually what people say. Right. But everyone else, you know, essentially what happens here is, okay, so not what I think is to be true is true per se, but you know what, what the collective society is true, then that is true. You guys ever get that one? Like, oh, well, you know, all, a lot of us believe in science, and we believe this, and we believe that, and, you know, your little fringe minority religion, whatever. But, you know, the collective society says that these things are true, and then, therefore, real truth is whatever we as a society say is true. Okay? The response to that can be, well, Nazi Germany. That collective society said global domination and eradicating God's firstborn people from planet Earth is truth and what should be done. Is that right? No, of course not. Well, that collective society said it was. ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Saudi Arabia that keeps women in a slave-like state. Those are collective societies. So what is truth then? And you can get people really confused here. Society cannot be the measure of truth. I'm going to say this again. Society and your culture and even your own thoughts cannot be the measure of truth. Genesis 6.5 and also the Proverbs say, the imaginations and the heart of men are wicked. That's including yours and mine before they get transformed. But I'll be real with you, even as a pastor, I have moments of heart motivations that are not always good. Because I'm a human being, right? So society cannot be the measure of that truth because the Word of God is saying actually that our hearts and our minds, our imaginations are, are wicked. You can just take a look at societies and you can take a look at our society today and you can take a look at our societies in the past and say, look what they say is right and what, what they say is wrong. So here's the thing what Jesus is getting at for our Resurrection Sunday today. Is that truth needs a constant. Truth needs a constant. North is not south. South is not north. Light is not darkness. Darkness is not light. Good is not evil. And evil is not good. To define truth, you need a constant. Because if what I think is true and what you think is true are different, there's no bearing of what truth is. Truth is truth. And falsehood is falsehood. So how do we do this? What is the constant? The constant is God. God is the constant. He is in truth, in fact truth. Deuteronomy 32 4 says he is the God of truth. He's not just God, but he is the God of truth. All truth flows from his being, from his mouth. Truth is that which is consistent with the mind, the will, the character, and the being of God. That is what truth is. If there is no constant like a compass... There is no direction. 
everyone's truth can be whatever it is, and then it can't be true. Because if what I believe to be true is different than what you believe to be true, we don't have truth. Okay? So, trying to relate this to what we're doing here. There are three characters in this story that are going to stand before truth. There are three characters that are forced to stand before truth, and they all deal with that truth differently. Jesus is truth incarnate. He is there. There is a trial for his death and his resurrection, well, which will lead to his resurrection, right? And I feel the Lord was just saying for us that each of these characters are representing us in different ways. And maybe we can have the, uh, the worship team come on down. The first character is Peter. Peter looks at truth and he responds to it in a way of trying to create self-preservation. We read in John chapter 18, 27, Peter then denied him again and immediately a rooster crowed. And then it says that he could not go into the praetorium in the place of the trial because he didn't want to defile himself for the Passover. So here's a follower of Jesus, three years, man, walking on water the whole kibbit. And here at the absolute moment where you should be standing up for your friend, your brother, and the Son of God, he is forced to reckon with truth. He is, in fact, going to be the Passover lamb who's going to die and give himself up to eradicate the lies. The lies are not worthy enough. The lie of separation between man and God. The lies of sin and death. And he's forced to see truth. And what does he do? He chooses to preserve himself instead. And he leaves. I can't handle truth right now. Because if I stand in the presence of truth, if I engage with truth, my physical being is seriously going to be harmed. I can tell by your accent, it says in the Gospels, Peter. I can tell by your accent that you are from the Galilee. No, 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 I'm not from the Galilee. Oh, I can hear, I can hear the way you speak, it says in the Gospels, that you're from the Galilee. You must be one of his disciples. No, 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 no. He is seeing the truth and the revelation of all of eternity coming forward and being there at the death and the trial of Jesus. The truth of the ages, the truth of the beginning, the truth of the end, all culminating. And he is there and he can't handle truth. I can't do it. I need to preserve myself, my being, and my own thoughts of things. The second character involved is going to be the Jewish leadership. Their culture is dictating their truth. They are allowing their own perspectives, their own perceptions, the way that they think about things to be true. John chapter 19, verse 15 to 16 says, as Pilate says, he is the king of the Jews, and they respond and they say, we have no king but Caesar. This is one of the, the, the worst things a Jewish person in the first century could say. In Jewish thinking, in the word of God, they have no king but one, God. And here they are. Look what's going on. 
They're being shown that God is in fact their king, the son of God, Jesus. And their response is, no, no, no. This is not how we thought it was going to go down. And our response is, no, we do not have a heavenly king. We have an earthly king, Caesar. What is their response to truth? They are willing to deny their own truth to avoid being wrong. They allow their own cultural perceptions, their own cultural thoughts to cloud the way in which they think. Truth. Truth. What is truth? Every one of us is forced to come face to face with it in our life. And we will either pull up Peter and say, nah, this is going to cost me too much. I'm going to just turn away and leave. We may pull a, a cultural identity of, nah, 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 this Christian thing just is too crazy, too radical. I, I, it looks too funny in the midst of our culture. But then there is a third person that has to deal with this, and this is Pilate, the skeptic, the intellectual. What is truth? Who really knows? It is relative, he says. By his absence of responding. The really bizarre thing with Pilate is this. He asks the question, what is truth? And one, he doesn't even stay for an answer. In the scriptures, he asks the question, then he just leaves. The intellectual. I don't, I don't want to hear truth. What do you have to tell me about truth that I don't already know? And the grand irony of it all, he asks the question and he, Jesus doesn't even have to respond because what is truth? Truth is standing before Pilate incarnate. He's right there. The truth of the ages is standing before Pilate. I am the way, the truth, the life. Hebrews 1 Chapter 3, Jesus is the express, express image of God. And if God is truth, and if Jesus is the express image of truth, then therefore John chapter 14 must be true. I am, Jesus says, the way, the truth, and the life. These are the type of people that we may be, and these are the type of people that we may confront doing our lives and particularly today what is truth not a bunny not an egg the truth is that we have all fallen short of the glory of God but he loves us so much that he was willing to chase after us and chase after us ever since the garden and at last his love song in his heart was so strong and was so impassioned for you that he says I'm coming down to earth to come and get you that is truth. Yes. Amen? Yes. Well, it's very easy to preach to those people who are saved and those people who know a lot of these things. So of course we're going to say, yeah, this is truth. But I have a responsibility before the throne room of God. What is truth? Let's turn this on us. So easy to ask the question when we 
Go to people who have not come to faith yet in the Lord. But it's a lot harder to turn that lens upon ourselves and say, what, do I have truth, right? They don't have truth. Okay, stop being arrogant. Do we have the truth? The full truth of understanding. Remember, truth can hurt. But truth also justifies if it agrees with what you are thinking. But it is powerful when it transforms you from a lie into truth. Let's justify you. Jesus loves you. Amen? That's not something to take lightly. Jesus loves you. He came to die for you. That makes me feel good. And that is the message which is being preached all across the country, all across the world today. And it is a good, good message. But it's too standard and too typical for us. It is to be taught, and I don't dishonor it. How can you? Jesus loves us. He came in the flesh. But there's more truth. And it can hurt only if you not allow it to transform. The truth of the matter is this, as we close up today. God is doing something new in this place. That is true. He's changing hearts. He's changing minds. He's coming with a fresh wave of His Spirit. The continuation of the Easter message, which unfortunately is not always preached, is Matthew 27, verse 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up His Spirit. He yields up His Spirit. It is finished. Then, 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 behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. The full revelation of Easter is the death and resurrection, but what it did. It is finished. Yes, sin is finished, but what also is finished is separation of any kind between you and the Holy of Holies. The Spirit of God is now released from the Holy of Holies and He resides inside of you. Amen? Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is alive and well in this church. There is a new move, and that is the truth of the matter. And we're going to be transformed, and we're going to be different, and things are going to be a little crazy. But that's all right, because the veil was torn. That's right. And come on, man. If a veil was torn at his death and resurrection, and the next day you're like, oh, there's Uncle Marty. He died five years ago. Why is he walking down the street? That's what happened. So the veil was torn. The veil was torn to confront sin in your life. And that is the truth of the matter. To confront the sin. 
The veil was torn at the death and resurrection so that the Holy Spirit would be a habitation of the glory of God in your life. So that we could be filled with His power. So that we can spread the gospel. So we can prophesy to the dry bones as it says in Ezekiel and say, dry bones, arise. Arise, arise and rise and have the Spirit of God come upon you and live in you. The Spirit of God was poured out on us so that we could preach the good news and set the captives free. To see the lame begin to walk again. To see the blind being able to see. To transform the world with the fire of the Holy Ghost. That is the truth. It's more than Jesus loves you. It is you have access to the Holy of Holies. You have access to the presence of God. Why don't we all rise and praise the Lord if you feel comfortable rising. I know for many of us, I know for many of us, this is different. But the Lord brought you to this church this week. The Lord brought you to this church this Easter. Because I believe the Lord is saying unto us and saying unto you is it's more than Jesus loves you. How wonderful it is and how glorious and sufficient it is that Jesus loves me. But he says that I'm giving you more. Because at his death, oh, the veil was torn. And that's the full Easter message. That's the full Easter message. That the graves, both symbolically and physically, were opened. Father, we pray right now that the parts of our lives that have been underneath tombstones... The parts in our lives that have a grave over them right now, Lord God. That the tombstones would be knocked over and the graves would be opened in the spirit of our lives. That would be released in new things. We would be released to enter into your presence. Released into new aspects of our life. And new understandings of your love. Lord, if there are parts of us and some of us who have lived lives that we feel have been a little spiritually dead. That they've they've been a little spiritually dead and we we haven't really connected with the Lord as we have in the past or maybe that we just desire to. Father, we pray right now, Spirit of God, blow upon those people and allow allow life to arise. Allow life to arise. Allow life to arise. The graves were opened on that day. People were perplexed. Father, we glory. We glory in the revelation that your son came as a humble servant to take on our sins, to provide a way that we could once again walk in the garden with our Father again. And when God sees me, when he sees us, he does not see our sin, he sees the blood of his son. We thank you and we relish in that, oh God. But we know that what is truth, the full truth, is that it is finished and then the veil was torn and the graves were open. We ask, Lord God, during this Resurrection Sunday, this Easter, that we can come into the fulfillment and the fullness of the truth of the Lamb of God, that we have access 
to the Spirit of God to change us, to mold us, to empower us, to pray for the sick and to see them healed. Amen. Mm. Please have a wonderful celebration today. I thank you guests for coming and dealing with us crazy people. We love you for that. We love you for that. So please feel free to, to go to wherever you're going today. But I'm all stirred up and I want to just create an opportunity for those of us that would like to stay. To just stay and worship the Lord. And to come down to receive some prayer if, if you need be. If these things of the message just hit you. But have a wonderful week. Have a wonderful week. We hope to see you next week. But if you're stirred right now, if you're stirred right now, for salvation. For salvation. Thank you, Jesus. we just want to invite you down to those people who would like to pray for people and feel an unction in their spirit. We just want you to come on down. That might create a little encouragement for people. If you've never made a commitment to the Lord, you've never asked Him to come into your life, I just encourage you to come on down and talk to one of us. We'll talk with you and pray with you. But I also encourage you, if, if you haven't walked in the full revelation of the resurrection, if you haven't walked in the full revelation of the understanding of the Spirit of God being poured out on all flesh, and you want deeper understanding of that revelation in your life. We just pray that you just come on down and we'll, we'll, we'll just stand with you and, and pray with you. Amen? Amen. It is finished. And so what is it? The separation because of sin. But it opens the door and opens the graves for the Spirit of God to pour out His life upon you. Amen. Have a wonderful week.